side. Welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast, friend and foe. I am Scott, the Sober Heathen. Um, super cool podcast. Uh, we got Andy from the other side of the planet. He's in another day already. Um, bright and sunshiny there. It's dark here. It's so cool. Andy from Australia, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And, uh, you know, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, over here in Sunday morning here in Perth, which is uh western side of Australia, Western Australia. So um yeah, just ticked over 10 30 in the morning. So um yeah, basically a bit about myself. Um yeah, compulsive gambler in recovery. Um, so that's you know, really been a 20 plus year journey as far as the actual gambling aspect, but um in and out of recovery, uh, realistically, probably for the last three and a half, four years. Um, and only recently uh, sort of put my hand up as far as the alcohol side of things as well. So, um, yeah, now joined into to AA as well as GA, which I've um, been involved in for quite a while. Um, so I've only come in, coming up a week without, uh, without a drink, but um, awesome. actually today's day 100 without uh without a bet so awesome. um yeah so you know we'll probably no doubt get into it but um you know anybody i feel with addiction uh tends to come out sideways when you give out give up um one substance uh, another seems to pick up the slack if you're not if you're not careful and gambling was my first um love if you want to call it that but sure. um and and definitely, you know, over the past since I've been trying to kick that um, kick that habit, the I feel yeah, the alcohol consumption's picked up where I've realised that I need to address that as well. So um, yeah, feeling good that it's a Sunday morning here and I'm nice and fresh and um, yeah. can jump on and and do different things um, like yeah, speak to speak to yourself over in in Michigan, which is which is cool. Yeah, so cool. So. You're the first guest I've had um, on that the primary uh, recovery is for gambling. So, yep. you know, I, and that's that's great because I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, a lot of people might be hiding from that too. You know, I'm sure there's some stigma that comes with that as well. Um, you know, talk, uh, and you're struggling with alcohol a little bit as well. Um, talk a little bit about the comparison to the two, like, uh, you know, what's... Uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, you get like the, the dopamine hit or whatever, you know, you get that rush, you know, talk a little bit about it if you, if you would. Yeah. Like the gambling side of things, as far as, um, you know, like you said, it's, it's first guess that you've had on um, as a recognized compulsive gambler, gambling addict, however you want to, um, you know, use the term, but I think, definitely where you are in, in America, you're going to see more and more of it now that, you know, I think it's 47 states. It's now legalized online gambling. Sure. Um, whereas in here in Australia, um, it's a, always been a huge gambling culture, particularly around, you know, huge. And that's my passion has been around horse racing, um, huge industry over here in Australia um, with horse racing. I grew up around that. 
Um, and online gambling was legalised here. The first online bookmaker was all the way back in 1996, whereas, you know, I've seen your neck of the woods. Um, 2018 was where it was, you know, legalised on a federal level, and I think I did a bit of research. Obviously, you've been in Michigan. Um, your governor brought it in, um, I think it was at the end of 2019, start of 2020. So it's only very, you know, um, new over over there as far as accessibility. Um, hence why, you know, you mightn't yet hear much about it. Um, whereas over here, um, Australia, it's the highest uh, gambling losses um, per adult in the world. And that's been my, you know, been my life, basically. I, I, as I said, I grew up around um, racing. I'm, I love my sport. And then I grew up in uh, again, very different here in Australia to to America and other parts of the world in that the accessibility to go and gamble is like literally on your street corner. Uh, we, my parents um, bought a hotel, a, a pub with a restaurant um, and it had a sports bar attached to it. And within the sports bar, there was actually, you know, what we call a TAB, but you'd say like a, a betting shop or, um, you know, like um, a sport book that's all within the actual establishment. And there's one of those, as I say, basically in every, you know, almost on, feels like on every corner in, in parts of Australia. So from 13, I was living that daily. So that was the, you know, especially again, being a lover of horse racing and a lover of sport sure. in general, it was like literally being a kid in a candy shop being around that. So that was the first substance, if you want to call it, that I was exposed to. And, you know, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but for me, I'm a big believer in that trauma, particularly childhood trauma, you know, leads people into addiction. You know, there might be, the, in, again, just my opinion, but there might be the rare case where, you know, addiction starts and there's nothing wrong with, you know, anything that's gone on in a, in a person's life, which is always something. But sure. for me, the the childhood trauma I was going through and then through teenage years and then into adulthood, that all led me to increased levels of, of gambling purely as a release and and a, and a comfort. Um, yeah. And like you said, that dopamine hit. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that sort of went hand in hand with, in the end, drinking, but went from being, you know, from drinking as a, you know, 20 in, in your 20s and that party vibe, that more binge drinking, to now as being a 36-year-old um, and particularly trying to um, stop gambling um, into more unhealthy relationship with with drinking, whereas it's drinking on your own. It's, um, you know, purely, and, and I've recognised with the work that I've done through GA and then I've also had two stints in, in um, a couple of rehab facilities um, that... The, the drinking was trying to serve, I was trying to find the same thing as what I was finding with the gambling. It was just basically a release and a distraction and just not wanting to actually, um, you know, deal with with what was going on in, in my head and sure. um, stuff like that. So they've, yeah, I'm very grateful that I have, you know, come to that decision on my own as far as very early on, as I, as I said, it's only been seven days, but to put my hand up around the drinking and address that. Um because I know, again, with the work that I've done, that it was, you know, it was a slippery slope to, you sure. know, I think I've heard you say on different 
um, podcasts that you've done, you know, you, people think an alcoholic is somebody that's, you know, under a, under a bridge or, you know, on the street homeless drinking out of a brown paper bag, but it's certainly not the case. Um, yeah. It's all relative to your situation. So, yeah, so that's a bit of a bit of a history, I guess, of of where I started. I, my first bet um, from memory, you know, might have even been earlier, just having fun with with my with my dad and whatever. But definitely the first time I really clearly remember um, having a bet was ten years old, and then um, then would have gambling regularly from like thirteen years old, and then sixteen onwards. In looking back, honestly, it was compulsive. Um, and then to the point where I am now at 36 and, yeah, actually doing something about it. Right. And that's, that, that's awesome. And, it, you know, you, you mentioned trauma and stuff. It, it doesn't always have to be something like, you know, you hear the word trauma and you think, okay, it's some sort of physical abuse or, you know, terrible mental abuse. It doesn't always have to be that. I, as I peel, peel the layer of onion away from, from, you know, uh, my disease, you know, I associated alcohol with freedom. You know, I, I was raised by my great grandmother, great grandparents, but mostly my great grandmother, my grandpa passed away in 98. But, um, you know, she, there was no going to friends' houses to spend the night outside of one friend. You know what I mean? There was no birthday parties. There was no going outside when it's raining. There was no, you know, just bubble wrap all over the place. And then I got married and it was a lot of the same. And, you know, when I was married, my my wife would go to bed and then I'd stay up and drink and mm. watch what I wanted to watch on TV. So I associated alcohol with freedom. So I felt free every time I drank. And that after year after year after year of doing that, um, that's what it associated. It was no longer drink to have a buzz and a good time. It was to drink and have freedom. I associated yep. those things. And, you know, so that's not like a trauma, but yeah. that's just what my brain told me I needed to do to be free. You know, to have yeah, my no, own life. Yeah, you're spot on. And that's even like, so just a um, brief, brief background. Um, again, so end of 2019, I went to my first proper rehab. And that was specifically for me for, for gambling, sort of yeah. what I thought at that time was rock bottom, um, wave the white flag, like I need help. Sure. Um, and that was, yeah, really tough, but also... You know, looking back at godsend even though here i am in you know middle of 2023 and i've just only been home a couple of weeks from a second stint at the same same rehab for another three weeks but this time around having the experience of the the first time and then being introduced whilst in there to the different fellowships so aaga na um you go to all of them and attend meetings and get introduced to you know 12 steps and all of that and then the work I've done, like I got about 18 months up after leaving that first rehab. So we moved from Melbourne, which is on the east coast of Australia, to to Perth. Um, and then COVID hit, basically. Um, and so that, like, you know, brought its, like, everywhere, brought all its own sort of sure. um, trauma, if you want to call that. Like all the sure. different, um, you know, things that came along with borders being locked down and, and all that kind of stuff. But then going back this time... I think with all that experience behind me, even though it was painful, you know, having to go back there and getting to that place again, sure. um, not only has that really solidified my desire to stop gambling, but it also made me realise that I needed to address my drinking as well because I had more space to 
look into why I was gambling and then now why I was drinking. Um, and yeah, I have had some major trauma in my life, um, but it's not all the major stuff that when I actually unpack it that led me to gambling. You know, it was for me, gambling was one, it was a passion as far as the actual sport and the and the racing and the yeah. action, but the yeah. actual gambling itself was purely to just um to just get away, get away from everyday life, just consume myself in the studying of the, you know, the sport, you know, the the odds, right. the lines, the studying of the form for the racing. And just that's all I was focused on. So I could forget about everything else that was going on in my in my life, you know, my family life, my work life, whatever it might be. Um, And then so just to share with you. So my father, unfortunately, committed suicide at the end of 2011. Sorry. And so that's coming up, you know, 12 years. And I was thinking about it the other day because it would have been his 64th birthday just gone on um, on Friday. And I was sort of thinking about it around, did my gambling increase after he, you know, after he passed away? And it didn't increase. But what I realized was looking back is that everything in my life just kicked up a gear. So for me, it was the actual gambling didn't increase, but the recklessness with everything I did in my life increased. And that includes drinking. So for me, it was, you know, I've just lost my dad suddenly. Life short, basically. Fuck it, like fuck sure. the world. Yeah. I'm okay. gonna, you know, I'm gonna. I don't care if I go and lose X amount of money. You know, on a on a weekend, I don't care if I go and on a two day bender. I don't care if you know. I don't care about anything. And then that has really carried on all the way through. Not so much that obviously now I'm married and I've got two children. It didn't carry on in that respect in that I was just out and partying and stuff, but that same uh, switch was flicked anytime I'd gamble and anytime now I'd drink is that it was like once I'd had a, once I'd had that first drink or I'd had that first bet, the fuckets came in, you know, because I've started now. So I might as well keep going. Do you know what I mean? So it's that self-destruction mode that I associate it with. And, um, and again, that's only I can only sort of um, come to that realization now after you know the work that I've had to do. Um, but yeah, now it's a case of for me solidifying that, jumping on and doing things like this, chatting to oh, people yeah. like yourself, you know. Um, and I, I am a believer in um, the AA program, the GA program. In my case, I know um, the interview you did yesterday, which I listened to with um, Naisha, like that, she wasn't involved in that. Yeah. But when I was listening, when I was listening to it, I was like, okay. And then as she spoke, obviously all the stuff she was doing, you know, with the veteran work, that's her own version of that. It's her own community, and that's the biggest thing that I've found with the different fellowships is that it's the connection and the community that we're we're seeking that can stop us and and keep us stopped from drinking, gambling, drugging, whatever. Yeah. Because I'm not sure if it's the same with you, and I think you just that you did just mention it. Like my gambling over the past, really, if I'm honest, probably six to ten years hasn't been social anymore. It's all right. been in isolation, and it's even into a lesser extent now since we've moved to Western Australia. My drinking in the past two to three years, same thing. It's been 
drinking on my own um, or drinking at home because of one COVID initially, but now you get into that habit and the thing, so you're isolating and the, what do you lose? You lose the connection and getting God send having to go to the, my first rehab and being introduced to those programs is that you can go and you meet these people who are like-minded, who have the same, um, you know, or similar stories to tell that you can actually open up and connect with. And that's where I, you know, draw strength from. And again, listening to Naisha yesterday, I was going, okay, I wonder how she's doing this without having, a, you know, an official program behind her. But then when she said about, you know, the horses and all of that, and, and it's all other veterans, that's her community now. Yeah. And that's what, you know, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what I, I appreciate so much around, you know, the recovery side of, um, you know, the recovery side of things is that connection and community that you, you do find, which is great. Yeah, I mean, connection is the opposite of addiction. I, I believe that yeah. wholeheartedly, you know. Um, you unplug that connection with the bottle or gambling or drugs or whatever it may be, and you plug into something else that's more worthwhile. It's just maintaining that connection, you know, uh, yeah. ma maintenance. And however you do yeah. that, as long as it works for you, it's great. You know, uh, when you were talking, you know, you could easily plug in, like when I'm listening, you know, I, I I could play back what you said and replace gambling with alcohol. And I know exactly what you're feeling. You talk about the research that you were doing because you were into the sport. Well, I wasn't really doing research other than how to cover up alcohol smell, yeah. you know, um, you know, what, what are some excuses, um, you know, uh, physically or mentally that I could come up with that explain my behavior, you know, lie. And then <clears throat> where am I going to hide it? You know, how am I going to get it? You know, how do I make sure that nobody notices that I've spent this money? How do I make sure that nobody stumbles upon my stash? So it's the same thing, man. And it's, mm. it's, it's really crazy uh, to, to hear these things, you know. I, Would you say that when you're um, doing that, you know, you're planning out your day, how am I going to get to this liquor store? How am I going to hide it? How am I going to cover this up? As much as you look back now, and I look back at some of my behavior and, and, gambling is like the ultimate form of hiding particularly when it's all online because it's literally yeah. in the palm of your hand now you know in your phone yeah. so you can just everything is about it's all secret and that's the scary thing about gambling addiction and compulsive gambling is you can literally lose your house without leaving your house right like it's mental you know and yeah. so my whole life was around that when in real active addiction you know like because you just get around and because the physical um you know, uh, effects aren't really there because, you know, it's not like somebody can tell that you're, you're gambling and, and especially because you get a great, you know, literally a great poker face to hide, <laughs> you know, whereas right. obviously drugs and alcohol, you can fit, there's a physical, you know, um, effect that people can see you know, most yep. of the time. Um, but what I was going to ask is looking back now, I'm sure that planning out and all that, is like is quite um brings on anxiety thinking about how did I do that but at the time did you get a bit of a dopamine rush yeah. as far as planning it out and going how you know in that when you're in that active addiction was that part of the thrill of it yeah as soon as as soon as you know there was a lot of anxiety um about like how and then once I came up with something it was instant yeah. dopamine hit you know and then yeah. once you know I was talking in a I, this is actually a second podcast today that I'm recording um we were talking about that it's like you know, I would get a dopamine hit uh, when I got to the store, 
I'd get another one once I was back in my vehicle. Mm. And then I'd get a huge one once I got home and had it hidden away and it was safe and I could go, ah, but I was like, yes, you know, it is on, you know? So yeah, I mean, it, it's not just the act of drinking itself. It was, yeah, all those little hits from, from yeah. that secret. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, like I, I fully get that. And even again, just thinking now about my recent drinking over the past couple of years, it's, yeah, it's a similar feeling. And particularly when, in early recovery with gambling, like when you're still looking to replace what you were so used to doing, like yeah. with something else. Um, yeah, it was, and and in my mind, it was like, well, at least well, what my addict mind would tell me is at least you're not gambling. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it was like, at least I'm not gambling. And that's how I'd, I'd justified it for too long. But thankfully I've, you know, one day at a time come to that realization now. And um but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's crazy how that stuff just, you know, you speaking for myself again is like you wake up and you swear you're never going to do it again, and then the next thing, you know, you get over that little bit of remorse, and then you start planning on, all right, well, how, yeah. if I just do this today, and the next thing, it's a, off to the races again. Like for me, literally, like off to the races, <laughs> um, you know. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just wild. And and that's just addiction in general. Like you said about replacing, in my case, you replacing the gambling I'm talking about with alcohol. It's the same, exact same thing. So when I first went to the rehab that I went to in Melbourne, there was no recognised compulsive gamblers or gambling addicts there at the time. And, you know, the first time around, it was a little bit harder because I'd never been exposed to anything like that. But very quickly, I was able to listen to people's stories listen to you know all the different um speakers and groups that we do and easily replace drugs yeah. alcohol with gambling because it's literally it's the only difference is the substance like i have no doubt if i had a different upbringing and you know i was growing up you know around drugs that i would have gravitated to drugs to deal with what i was trying to deal with it was just that i was a you know the yeah. thing that was accessible to me was gambling um and then this time around when i went back again only a few weeks ago crazy that i was again the only recognized compulsive gambler there again and again the nurses and the counselors and and the psychs and stuff would ask you know how are you going like you know the fact that you're the only one that's sure. um putting your hand up as a compulsive gambler and it was as a breeze this time because i'd done it before but it's amazing when I start sharing my story in there that then, like you said, other people all of a sudden start going, oh, shit. Yeah, I didn't think my gambling was an issue, but right. maybe it is. And back to, you know, the US and, and the legalization now of online gambling, and it's just going to, yeah, unfortunately, take off. Like, And it already has. Like I'm on different Reddit groups and whatever, and you just see just dozens of people a day coming on looking for help going, you know, I've never gambled yeah. in my life and I've all of a sudden just gone and dropped however many thousands of dollars on some online casino that, you know, I'd never even yeah. would have known about unless, you know what I mean? Like it's it's pretty pretty scary and there's just so much money in it for, for the government that that's why yeah. you just don't, it's not so much that people are scared about talking about it, it's more that the awareness is nowhere um to be seen because of the money it brings in and also yeah. it just doesn't have that stigma as far as no. you know drugs and alcohol as far as 
you know, the, the government wants to clean up the homelessness or whatever, and then they associate that with drugs and alcohol. So it's this massive, yeah. um, you know, scourge on society. Whereas gambling is because it's, like I said, mostly secret and, yeah. and whatever that they don't care, and it's bringing in all this all this revenue. So yeah, it's going to be. Um, that's why, like with my channel, and it's only obviously I've only just started, and it's been stop and start, but it's more to just there's just nothing really out there from a um, online like a gambling awareness space and it's not a sexy subject by any stretch you know the flip side is there's a million different channels around promoting um, fantasy sports or yeah, you know yeah. um, right. you know all the you know um, draft kings buddy you know like I'm a, I love my UFC and you know there's live odds literally during the event that that you know Joe Rogan and and all that are promoting just yeah. bringing in a younger and younger audience. And there's just nowhere for people to turn unless they have to hit like rock bottom like I did and find their way to, um, and I'm not sure, like I, I follow American politics and stuff quite a bit and I know. I'm sorry. Um, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm sorry that I even got into that, bloody, got into that rabbit hole. But um, just from a healthcare system, we're really lucky in Australia that, you know, because I have private health insurance, like I can go and get um, help and, sure. you know, it's part of my private health, but I know that obviously the healthcare system in America, you know, doesn't really favor the lower or middle class by any stretch. Well, and, and yeah, I think it's better than what the politician make it out to be. Um, I really yep. do because, you know, I spent over, a, I mean, almost an entire year in treatment uh, last year and I was okay. on government insurance and everything was paid for and anything I needed, it was completely covered. It's better. It's more of a, it's more of a tool. I mean, anything could always be better. And I know there yeah. are some people that, that struggle, but it's, it, I don't feel it's as bad because I was scared that I wasn't going to get, be able to get into treatment the second and third time last year that I was in treatment, you know, yeah. um, but it was covered. So, I mean, I, I yeah. don't have any, any complaints with that, but um, yeah. Oh, so, good. Going back to what you're doing, um, you know, take it for what it's worth. I, mean, I hope you continue speaking out and doing your podcast because I can speak for me. When I started out doing this thing, it was just to video document my story and, yeah, you know, just to talk, put it out into the ether. And then all of a sudden some people started, you know, commenting on it. And then next thing you know, I'm having guests and stuff. But, you know, yeah, we suffer in silence a lot of times. You know, you you, you hide and you're gambling on your phone. I'm hiding and sucking down a fifth in a dark closet somewhere. But we'll also, and it, this is just my belief, I have no evidence to back this up, but I do believe that we can start to recover and a little bit in silence too. I can go with my phone in the bathroom or somewhere, or sit in my car and watch a video about gambling addiction or alcohol addiction and nobody's going to know that I'm watching this thing and I can start listening and I start getting some information. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the first step that I needed to hear somebody talk about that to yeah. get, to get that help. So I hope you do. And anytime you post a video, you know, um, I will share it and try to get it, you know, with my little bit of following, you know, to get it out there. Cause I think this is super important yeah, and, because. Yeah. But, and likewise, like I, um, yeah. And that's part, like part of the reason you know, one is, as I say, to spread some awareness and hopefully, you know, people, if it's one person that takes something out of a video I share and that gives them the um, courage to then go and, you know, or either ask for help or, you know, go look into Gamblers Anonymous meetings and, 
you know, because I know a lot of people, I know what I was like, you know, it's a bloody daunting thing to just all of a sudden, you know, go, oh, I'm going to go to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting or an AA meeting or whatever. Sure. So if somebody can take something out of one of my videos that I do, um, you know, that's fantastic. And the other part is, like you said, like it's about helping my recovery as well. Like, you know, telling my story and getting it out there and as uncomfortable as it can be sometimes, but I'm, you know, of course we all do. And, you know, you, you have regrets and you have shame and it's, and there's a lot that's, that's just, well, that's life, but it's definitely the life of a recovering um, addict, whatever the description, but at the same time, like I really want to wear my uh, recovery, you know, as a, as a badge of honor and, and, because at the end of the day, like you can't change what you've done in the past, but you know, if I live in regret for the rest of my life, then you know, there's no chance of a of a happy life. And if I can, especially now having our two beautiful kids, sure. um, you know, that's that's such a huge motivation for me to and, and if I jump on and do a video and and it's warts and all, or I jump on and have a chat to somebody like yourself and and tell my story and and that's you know, that's going to help me stay strong because, you know, it's, again, it's just ticked over 11 o'clock here in the morning. Looking back, you know, say I'm coming up, like I said, today's day 100 without without a bet. But so, you know, say, awesome. let's just say five, six months ago, 11 o'clock in the morning with the time difference that we have here, like I'd be right into the middle of UFC, NBA, um, the local racing because there's a million race meetings a day over here like it's mental like sure, it's just sure. you know and now it's 24 7 so I'd be when I was in active addiction like that's what my morning would be it'd be trying to pretend that I'm present for my family but being massively distracted by you know chasing you know chasing losses or whatever it might be sure. um, or on the other flip side now with the alcohol it'd be yeah I'd, I, at at this stage I wasn't a morning drinker or an all-day drinker but I know that that was the logical next step because I'd be going okay so it's 11 o'clock um you know uh, let's say probably two o'clock's probably a reasonable time to be able to crack a beer so I you know you'd be planning <laughs> the rest of your day around you know what can we do until then and then you know what can I do to be able to to have a beer and and whatever? So, um, it's just nice to have that freedom to be able to. Again, I said to you, just come back from my son's Oz, what we call Oz kick. He's 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 football. He's five. Then come here and jump on and have a chat to you. Like, what a better way to spend a Sunday morning than for sure the shit that you do in in addiction. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can tell you, you know. Um, I've just kind of started doing this live chat thing as we're as we're doing this, and and Ryan commented, you know, he's says he's already learned a lot since just watching this video about. No, awesome. I, I mean, he's he, I know he's watched my videos, and he, he's a good friend of mine actually, so I know he knows my story. So he's asked to be talking about the gambling side of it. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is a great conversation. So, uh, so you went back to treatment. Um relatively close to each other right so maybe somebody's listening yeah, so to the, this the gap was um yeah so it was november 2019 um my first admission and okay. then literally i've been home now coming up three weeks so um so what's that june of um 2023 so there was yeah three and a half years gap between 
between inpatient stays. Yeah. So talk, so talk about if you can, you know, um, you know, it took me four inpatients before things started to, to turn. Um, like talk about how you approach the second one differently. Maybe somebody's listening that's been, that's went to treatment one time and now oh, that shit didn't work. And, you know, maybe they're on the edge or the fence on whether I should try it again. Talk about what you did different and, you know, what made you decide to go back the second time if it, the first one didn't work. Or maybe it did. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're right. So the first time, um, yeah, it was a huge, obviously, eye-opening experience. I still haven't, to this day, spent an overnight stay, thankfully, in hospital for any medical related issue but all of a sudden I was thrown into uh at the, that time a three-week inpatient program you know literally in a in a hospital um so that you know the first few days you're in there just you know eyes wide open you know just not knowing what the hell is going on yeah. you know missing your family um, I'm not sure about, you know, the treatments you've been through, but in the one that I went to, you didn't get a phone call. Obviously, there's no technology or anything like that, but you didn't get a phone call until day six. So there's yeah. five days of, God, you know, what's going on at home? You're distracted about thinking about work and, and the mess you've left behind, you know, and then you start to get a bit comfortable and, and get into the routine and not enjoy it, but get comfortable with it and um and then you get towards the end and you start when you see the finish line you start climbing the walls going i can't wait to get out um and then it's and i found it this time too it's when then you get home and then you're trying to get used to normal life again and right. so best way i can describe it my first visit my first time in was a massive eye-opener so one working on addiction mental health literally 24 7 that's all you had to worry about was you know eating sleeping and working on you know your your recovery yeah i was introduced like i said to you to um the different fellowships for the first time i'd never been to any sort of meeting before um so then it was really a opportunity to like I said, be introduced to all different ways of, of getting better, basically. And then I carried that on after I left um, and then different stuff happened, personal life, um, work life, COVID, and then found myself back um, back in this time. And this time around, it really was, I knew what my addiction was. I knew, obviously, um, a lot about why I was doing what I was doing, Um but this time around, I really wanted to get to the bottom of, of why I was doing it, you know, and yeah. it wasn't so much learning about my addiction this time. It was right. I know what I'm doing wrong, including drinking. And I knew that in there, like I was, you know, knew that there was something had to change with that. But this right. time around, it was, um, okay, I don't need to, um, you know, it didn't take me long to get into the program. Um, and also this time around, it was because I knew I needed it. Um, don't get me wrong, I took a little bit of convincing initially when the idea of going back came up. But sure. once I had surrendered and knew that I um, needed to go back, it was really a case of this time, if I'm going to go and spend three weeks away from my family, my two kids, my wife, um, that I'm going to make sure I basically make every day count. And that means 
I'm naturally a, um, a leader, um, you know, want to be in control, you know, so in the if I look back to my first day, that's what I was trying to do in there, you know, I was trying to do it Andy's way. And um, whereas this time around, and I remembered uh, an, a previous peer in my first day who's now um, coming up four years sober, um, he was, and it's funny, like I, I was able to talk to him while I was in there at different meetings and stuff, but I remembered how he was when I was in first time, it was his third or fourth um, stay. And he, he'd sit there, he, he wasn't massively social, he, he seemed quite grumpy. And I was like this, you know, bouncing around like a puppy, like wanting somebody to play play with, you know, because you're bored. Yeah. And, and I'm like, who is this grumpy old bastard? And so the, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, he's an arsehole, you know. And he was telling me, and he was telling me, you know, no, mate, like I need, I'm taking this serious. Like, and he'd, and he'd say stuff like, don't worry about this. Don't worry about this person, you know, just focus on yourself. You know, that's their shit. And I yeah. couldn't get it the first time until pretty much the last week and then speaking with him after I left the first time, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like he's a good fella, like, but he yep. was just super serious. So this time I went back and I was like, his words and his attitude were really front of mind to go, you know what? I'm not going to like the, the place where there, there's a table tennis table and, and at night you could watch DVDs and stuff like that. And the first day, like I'd stay up until, you know, basically the nurses had come around and say, right, it's bedtime. Whereas this time I was like, I'm going to do the opposite. If yeah. I'm not going to go and waste time doing this, I'm going to go and journal or I'm going to go and, you know, um, do gratitude or, you know, read that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So I was sort of doing the opposite. And then it's funny that like, there was younger guys and girls in there or not even younger as far as age but my, my their first um you know first admission and they were like me the first time around and they're coming up to me going come on like come and have a game of table tennis what are you doing and I'm like nah I'm gonna go and read or I'm gonna go and journal you know so yeah. I was really mindful of doing the opposite basically of of what I would have done first time around and also surrendering to the program like if I was told to do something, I'd do it. I wouldn't fight it, you know, right. that kind of thing. So that's the difference. And and it like obviously, knock on wood, I won't find my way back there again. Right. But <laughs> so many stories I've heard in there and then outside of outside of the rooms and stuff like that. Like it can take people half a dozen visits yeah. to to get there. Something will finally click. And I really do hope and I am quite confident that something did click this time. Sure. Um, because yeah, one, I've made the decision to not only stop gambling, but also now introduce, you know, the, um, alcohol side of things. And that was on my own accord. I wasn't told you got to stop drinking. This was like, you know, so it's something's, right. something's clicking, you know? So, yep. um, yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but um, no, no, you did. You did. And I think, I just think the, uh, what you said, you know, you kind of surrendered to the program. I think that's important mm. to talk about, you know, my first treatment, I went in, um, you know, I was, I just wanted to get home and then, you know, it, it I was only there 28 days and it, it took a week or two and then I settled in. And next thing you know, you know, we could have snacks yeah. there. Our family could send in snacks. So I had all these great right. snacks and we'd stay up and we'd watch, you know, uh, ghost hunting shows or we'd watch whatever until they made us go to bed and then we'd get up and that was our day that that treatment was terrible because all we did is watch tv and play pool all day but anyway 
And, you know, I went into that first one. Well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. And then I went yes. into the second one, you know, and so I was like, all right, well, I better take this a little more seriously. You know, I made a bunch of friends and we had a ton of fun. And then I got out and it was the worst month of my life as far as drinking goes. So I went back again, only made a handful of friends and I focused a lot harder, relapsed again, went into the last one and I stuck to myself. I made one friend. One guy mm. that I was confident, and I, it was 30 days of focus. Like yeah. you said, journaling is a fantastic one. It sounds so stupid to most dudes. It sounded dumb to me. But to write those thoughts out and then review them like the next day and see how irrational you can be, you know, um, with a clear mind, you can see through it and you can learn yeah. from those irrational thoughts. Once the mind starts to, not, you know, you're not focused on the alcohol, the gambling, the drugs, or whatever, you know. Um, it really does help. So I, I just like people talking about, you know, because, and you're not going to change anybody necessarily, but maybe, maybe one person will hear this conversation and say, okay, I'm going into treatment for the first time. I'm not going to spend the whole time thinking about yeah. home. I'm going to do some work, you know, and I'm not and, sure if you did um, it was similar, like in your treatment, but on Saturdays where I went, you did what was called ITP. So basically it was like a peer review um, and there was a list of like 36 um, positive things that are going to help you basically in recovery and 36 negative things. And one of them, I remember, well, there's one that I got quite often was distracted by external factors was one of them. And that was, I didn't get near as many this time because I was really, you know, focused on my recovery. Or also another one was socialising, like as far as, you know too much socializing or right. um so it's funny like the first time around i would have got that basically from the other 30 peers would have been something <laughs> around that because i was you know just right. around you know either talking about home or um or playing table tennis or you know just having a laugh in the kitchen or whatever it might be whereas this time um i actually got a few um isolating and i'm like wow like wow you know nobody would tell me that i'm a isolator particularly when I'm, you know, there's no gambling or, or alcohol around, like I'm the opposite of that. So it was actually, I took it as a bit of a um, badge of honor to go, good, sure. you think that I'm keeping to myself and yeah, because <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing the work, you know? Yeah. Um, you guys did it yeah, on Saturdays. Um, on Fridays, we would have in the, I went to the same treatment back to back last year at Harbor Hall and we had what was called Fish Fry Friday and the spiritual director would come in and he always called the disease it. And he'd come in and he'd sit and have a little, he was like, is it in the house? Is it in the house? You know, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what's going on in the house? How's the house? And then it it became a peer review, but it, it it was like fish fry Fridays. He would, he would, if there was a troublemaker in the house, they'd go up front and we would go around and tear them apart. But I tell you what, man, at the end of that thing, more often than not, the dude that was up front was like, holy shit. You know, I'm hearing it from five, six different people and, and some changes were made. It was very intimidating. It was terrifying. I hated yeah. Fish Fry Friday my first time through that treatment. But the second time I could not wait for Friday, yeah. you know, because yeah. I want I wanted I wanted to hear what people had to say about me. You know, I, I was yeah. hoping that somebody would say, hey, Scott, you're you're doing this because I was ready, man. I was finally ready. Yeah. So and like you said, like it's it's, you know, everyone's got their own individual journey and um again I was really mindful this time around that yes I had the way that I wanted to attack things 
but I, I wasn't going to tell anyone else how to do things. So don't get me wrong. If somebody who, you know, I became close to one of the guys had come up to me and he'd be saying something that I'm like, uh, it was more, I'd go, ah, uh, like I can recognize this. This is what I would have said right. know, three years ago. <laughs> and I'd say to, to him, like one of the boys that, you know, I became close with, um, and we're, you know, in really good contact now. And, um, since we've both left and I'd say, mate, you can do what you want to do, but this is how I, how you're talking about is how I would have been three years ago. And I can tell you, this is how things ended up. I'm back here. (laughs) And this time around, this is how I'd handle it if I were you. And it wasn't forcing him to do anything. And then he's the type of bloke that did actually take it on board and go, oh, yeah, you're right, and come up yeah. later in the day and go, oh, you know, thanks for that little pep talk or whatever. Sure. So, um, but everyone's got to do do it their own way, you know. I'm a big believer in I've got it tatted on my arm that life's about the journey, not the destination. And um, if I can hopefully look back in, you know, 5, 10, 20 years' time, you know, one day at a time, like I'm not looking too far ahead, but look back and go, you know what, those well, 20 years in, you know, active addiction with gambling and um, and all the, the treatments that I had to go through and all the shit, if I can look back and know that I've been able to put in that work and go through all that and I can, my kids can look yeah. at me and, you know, go, and it was all, all worth it and it was all for them, you know what I mean? And they don't have to go through what I've been through and they've got a healthy dad and my wife's got a healthy husband and friends and and all of that you know i look back on that and go it'll be all worth it so um yeah that's where i'm at 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 this stage in my journey right on well like you said it's all worth it once you get through it you know what i mean so Mm. go ahead andy and and plug uh what you're doing on on youtube or whatever and your handle on twitter or whatever you want to plug man and we'll get you out of here yeah so um again i've only got a couple of videos up early days um but i do have some um, of my own interviews lined up with some pretty cool people over here in Australia who do have um, either expertise in gambling addiction or have their own stories um, with gambling. So uh, awesome. my channel on YouTube is um, I Am Compulsive Podcast. Um, and then same Twitter, um, I Am Compulsive. Um, you can find me there. But yeah, again, with gambling, it's still such a um, unspoken thing um as far as people don't associate it near as much um, as a problem but you know gambling addiction as far as suicide rates is is the number one when it comes to um, males in particular um because yeah unlike you drinking yourself to death or or overdosing or whatever the natural unfortunately progression with a problem gambler a gambling addict if they get to that rock bottom is is suicide which I've had to experience in my own life um, and I can speak for myself in my most recent relapse like I never got to a point of you know thank god planning anything out but there was definite you know that's how low my mental health had got is that those kind of things were coming creeping into my mind because you just think there's no way out and um, so if I can with any of the content that I provide um, chats like this with with people like yourself, Scott. If one person who's struggling with their yeah. gambling and don't know where to turn can take something out of it and and then reach out for help, please for me reach out reach out on Twitter, reach out on YouTube, whatever. 
DM me, um, reach out to Scott, and then he can put you in touch with me. Just, yeah. you know, just talk. And it's a genuine chat um, as far as, you know, somebody who understands what you're potentially going through. And that's the biggest gift that I've found again, that finding my initial GA fellowship and I've got my meeting today at three o'clock, which I'm chairing on Zoom because we don't have access to the place that we usually um, go to. But the biggest gift is sitting there, hearing the stories of others going, shit, there's other people out there as fucked up as I am. <laughs> right. um, and and the and the weight that just, you know, comes off your shoulders when you do hear that and go, I'm not alone. And I can actually talk to somebody, talk to, you know, a group of people that aren't going to judge me, that know what I'm going through. Um, it's the greatest gift that I've received. And now yeah. for me to be able to pay that forward, um, you know, in my local fellowships, but now also on, hopefully to a wider audience is yeah. um, is awesome. So, um, yeah, again, I'm Compulsive Podcast. So hopefully I'll put something up this week and and share your um, video. And I, and I jumped on with Sober Dad um, uh, during the week and he's putting something up, which which is cool. It was good to chat cool. to him. And what an awesome thing that you're in Michigan. I'm here in um, Australia. Um I can't remember where Sober Dad was, but Seattle, anyway, I believe. Or, I think Seattle, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. What awesome! So good, yep. and brought yep. together by our our want to share our story and and hopefully help people, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, and that's the goal of this thing, man. Uh, great hearing from you. Great hearing your story. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll we'll have to do it again. I you know I I, I want to do these panel things. Um, yeah, uh, having a, a, a gambler uh, perspective on it, you know, just to, to to relate because no addiction is worse than another. I don't think. I think an addiction is addiction. Uh. You know, we got to end the stigma on some of these things and realize that you know it's life or death, right? I mean, yep. addiction is life and death, no matter what it is. So, all right, it Andy, thank is. you so much, my friend, and um, thank you, mate. We'll, we'll be in touch soon. Get to bed. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, Have a good night, man. See ya.